Welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about the myth of multitasking. Talk about mass psychosis. Personally, I have long thought that it is somewhat surreal in the modern world to have a job where you do something, where you record your efforts on a computer, others add to it or edit it, groups see the result, and at the end of a pay cycle, you receive information that says numbers in your bank account have increased and then those numbers change, whether they increase due to investments, good fortune, pay raises, or decrease due to payments for financial obligations and tangible goods and services. Everything is abstract and in the ether. This is weird. Many, not all, people who do this seem to have a belief in some sort of personal, mental, intellectual superiority over those who actually perform tasks that have clear results, like make deliveries, move boxes, serve food, or say, engage in construction labor, etc. But, they defer to those who perform life-saving surgery and things like that. There have been stereotypes of cold, stern women who are highly efficient and gay men who are persnickety, pedantic, prissy multitaskers. And I am more of what I like to think of as a good-natured, bellowing traffic cop. In my mind, anyway. But you got to do what you got to do to get the job done. And that often means creating processes to handle a wide variety of tasks, prioritize and execute on them successfully. Sometimes people's feelings get hurt, but those same people usually never take other people's feelings into consideration. Multitasking has been a stressful experience in my life. I do, however, based on personal experience, feel the need to track my efforts no matter what, being able to metaphorically put a pin into wherever we are in the path to completion and be able to give precise details about everything from resources to timelines and whatever else is required. I have long referred to it as justifying my existence. From Wikipedia, Multitasking may refer to computer multitasking, the concurrent execution of multiple tasks, also known as processes, over a certain period of time. Cooperative multitasking, preemptive multitasking, human multitasking, the apparent performance by an individual of handling more than one task at the same time. Media multitasking, using TV, the web, radio, telephone, print, or any other media in conjunction with another. I'm focusing on human multitasking. Also from Wikipedia. Human multitasking is the concept 
that one can split their attention on more than one task or activity at the same time, such as speaking on the phone while driving a car. Multitasking can result in time wasted due to human context switching and becoming prone to errors due to insufficient attention. If one becomes proficient at two tasks, it is possible to rapidly shift attention between the tasks and perform the tasks well. The etymology. The first published use of the word multitask appeared in an IBM paper describing the capabilities of the IBM system slash 360 in 1965. The term has since been applied to human tasks. Since the 1960s, psychologists have conducted experiments on the nature and limits of human multitasking. The simplest experimental design used to investigate human multitasking is the so-called psychological refractory period effect. Whoa! Here, people are asked to make separate responses to each of two stimuli presented close together in time. An extremely general finding is a slowing in responses to the second appearing stimulus. Researchers have long suggested that there appears to be a processing bottleneck preventing the brain from working on certain key aspects of both tasks at the same time, e.g. Gladstone's Reagan and Lee, 1989, and Pashler in 1994. Bottlenecking refers to the idea that because people only have a limited amount of attentional resources, the most important information is kept. Many researchers believe that the cognitive function subject to the most severe form of bottlenecking is the planning of actions and retrieval of information from memory. Psychiatrist Edward M. Hallowell has gone so far as to describe multitasking as a mythical activity in which people believe they can perform two or more tasks simultaneously as effectively as one. Amen. Others have researched multitasking in the area of learning. Richard E. Mayer and Moreno studied the phenomenon of cognitive load in multimedia learning and concluded that it is difficult, if not impossible, to learn new information while engaging in multitasking. I have no difficulty in believing this. Raynal Junko and Sheila R. Cotton examined how multitasking affects academic success and found that students who engaged in high levels of multitasking reported significant issues with their academic work. Hmm, sounds a lot like procrastination. A more recent study on the effects of multitasking on academic performance showed that using Facebook and text messaging while studying were negatively related to student grades, while online searching and emailing were not. Well, what do you know about that? Some experiments have been done that demonstrate that it is possible to divide one's attention among several tasks, 
How successfully depends on several factors such as how much practice one has with it or the difficulty of the task. Walter Schneider and Robert Schifrin performed an experiment in which they presented the participants with a memory set, which consists of target stimuli such as the number three. There we go again with the number three, see? If you've listened to my podcast before, you know I've done a podcast on the power of three. After being presented with the memory set, they were rapidly shown 20 test frames which contained distractor stimuli. One of the slides they were shown contained one of the target stimuli from the memory set. With each trial, a new memory set and new test frames were presented. At the start of the experiment, participants averaged 55% in correctly identifying the target stimuli from the memory set. After 900 trials, the participants were able to bring the average up to 90%. They reported that after about 600 trials, the task became automatic and they were able to respond without thinking about it. Hmm. Because the brain cannot fully focus when multitasking, people take longer to complete tasks and are predisposed to error. You bet. When people attempt to complete many tasks at one time or alternate rapidly between them, errors go way up and it takes far longer, often double the time or more, to get the jobs done than if they were done sequentially, states Meyer. This is largely because the brain is compelled to restart and refocus. That sounds so interesting and believable. A study by Meyer and David Kiras found that in the interim between each exchange, the brain makes no progress whatsoever. Therefore, multitasking people not only perform each task less suitably, but lose time in the process. <laughs> yeah. According to a study done by Jordan Grafman, chief of the cognitive neuroscience section at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, the most anterior part of the brain allows a person to leave something when it's incomplete and return to the same place and continue from there. While Broadman Area 10, a part of the brain's frontal lobes, is important for establishing and attaining long-term goals. Focusing on multiple dissimilar tasks at once forces the brain to process all activity in its anterior. Though the brain is complex and can perform myriad tasks, it cannot multitask well. I agree. Another study by René Marois, I don't know how you say that, M-A-R-O-I-S, a psychologist at Vanderbilt University, discovered that the brain exhibits a response selection bottleneck when asked to perform several tasks at once. The brain must then decide which activity is most important, thereby taking more time. Yeah. Psychologist David Meyer of the University of Michigan claims that instead of a bottleneck, the brain experiences Adaptive Executive Control, 
which places priorities on each activity. These viewpoints differ in that while bottlenecking attempts to force many thoughts through the brain at once, adaptive executive control prioritizes tasks to maintain a semblance of order. The brain better understands this order and, as psychologists such as Dr. Meyer believe, can, therefore, be trained to multitask. It is not known exactly how the brain processes input and reacts to overstimulation. Some research suggests that the human brain can be trained to multitask. A study published in Child Development by Monica Luciana, Associate Professor of Psychology at the University of Minnesota, discovered that the brain's capability of categorizing competing information continues to develop until ages 16 and 17. A study by Vanderbilt University found that multitasking is largely limited by the speed with which our prefrontal cortex processes information. Paul E. Ducks, the co-author of the study, believes that this process can become faster through proper training. The study trained seven people to perform two simple tasks, either separately or together, and conducted brain scans of the participants. The individuals multitasked poorly at first, but with training were able to adeptly perform the tasks simultaneously. Brain scans of the participants indicate that the prefrontal cortex quickened its ability to process the information, enabling the individuals to multitask more efficiently. However, the study also suggests that the brain is incapable of performing multiple tasks at one time, even after extensive training. This study further indicates that, while the brain can become adept at processing and responding to certain information, it cannot truly multitask. Ha, 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 and ha, ha, ha. People have a limited ability to retain information, which worsens when the amount of information increases. For this reason, people alter information to make it more memorable such as separating a 10-digit phone number into three smaller groups or dividing the alphabet into sets of three to five letters, again with three. A phenomenon known as chunking. George Miller, former psychologist at Harvard University, believes the limits to the human brain's capacity centers around the number seven, plus or minus two. Hmm. An illustrative example of this is a test in which a person must repeat numbers read aloud. While two or three numbers are easily repeated, 15 numbers becomes more difficult. The person would, on average, repeat seven correctly. Brains are only capable of storing a limited amount of information in their short-term memories. Laboratory-based studies of multitasking indicate that one motivation for switching between tasks is to increase the time spent on the task that produces the most reward, Payne, Dugan, and Neff, 2007. This reward could progress towards an overall task goal, or 
It could simply be the opportunity to pursue a more interesting or fun activity. Payne, Duggan, and Neth found that decisions to switch tasks reflected either the reward provided by the current task or the availability of a suitable opportunity to switch, that is, the completion of a sub-goal. A French fMRI study published in 2010 indicated preliminary support for the hypothesis that the brain can pursue at most two goals simultaneously, one for each frontal lobe, which has a goal-oriented area. God, there's so much information about this, huh? When studying the costs of multitasking, there are typically two designs for or types of multitasking that are examined, task switching and dual tasking. Task switching involves shifting one's attention from one thing to another. Dual tasking, on the other hand, is when attention is divided among multiple things at once. Studies have been done to specifically examine the brain when one is engaged in either type of multitasking. Through the use of MRI brain scans, researchers have found that frontoparietal regions are activated, which would include the inferior frontal junction and the posterior parietal cortex. Oh, I knew that. They also found that while each type of tasking uses different mechanisms, there are also some underlying mechanisms and resources that they share. There is little data available to support claims of a real sex difference. Now, to something called continuous partial attention. Author Stephen Berlin Johnson describes one kind of multitasking. It usually involves skimming the surface of the incoming data, picking out relevant details, and moving on to the next stream. You are paying attention, but only partially. That lets you cast a wider net, but it also runs the risk of keeping you from really studying the fish. Multimedia pioneer Linda Stone coined the phrase continuous partial attention for this kind of processing. Continuous partial attention is multitasking where things do not get studied in depth. Rapidly increasing technology fosters multitasking because it promotes multiple sources of input at a given time. Instead of exchanging old equipment like TV, print, and music for new equipment such as computers, the internet, and video games, children and teens combine forms of media and continually increase sources of input. This to me is exhausting. According to studies by the Kaiser Family Foundation, in 1999, only 16% of time spent using media such as internet, television, video games, telephones, text messaging, or email was combined. In 2005, 26% of the time these media were used together. The increase in simultaneous media usage decreases the amount of attention paid to each device. In 2005, it was found that 82% of American youth use the internet by the seventh grade in school. A 2005 survey by the Kaiser Family Foundation found that 
while the usage of media continued at a constant 6.5 hours a day, Americans aged 8 to 18 were crowding roughly 8.5 hours worth of media into their days due to multitasking. The survey showed that one quarter to one third of the participants have more than one input most of the time while watching television, listening to music, or reading. The 2007 Harvard Business Review featured Linda Stone's idea of continuous partial attention or constantly scanning for opportunities and staying on top of contacts, events, and activities in an effort to miss nothing. As technology provides more distractions, attention is spread among tasks more thinly. Phew, like I said, it's exhausting just reading this. A prevalent example of this inattention to detail due to multitasking is apparent when people talk on cell phones while driving. One study found that having an accident is four times more likely when using a cell phone while driving. Another study compared reaction times for experienced drivers during a number of tasks and found that the subjects reacted more slowly to brake lights or stop signs during phone conversations than during other simultaneous tasks. A 2006 study showed that drivers talking on cell phones were more involved in rear-end collisions and sped up slower than intoxicated drivers. When talking, people must withdraw their attention from the road in order to formulate responses. Hmm. Because the brain cannot focus on two sources of input at one time, driving and listening or talking, constantly changing input provided by cell phones distracts the brain and increases the likelihood of accidents. I completely agree with this. In 2010, a scientific study found that a small percent of the population appeared to be much better at multitasking than others, and these people were subsequently labeled supertaskers. Huh. In 2015, another study supported the idea of supertaskers. This particular study showed that they tested people by making them drive on a driving simulator while at the same time memorizing words and solving math problems. Wow. As expected, most of the participants did much worse than their individual task test scores. The supertaskers, however, were able to multitask without major effects to their performance. Barry Schwartz has noted that, given the media-rich landscape of the internet era, it is tempting to get into a habit of dwelling in a constant sea of information with too many choices, which has been noted to have a negative effect on human happiness. Observers of youth in modern society comment upon the apparently advanced multitasking capabilities of the youngest generations of humans, Generation Y and Generation Z. While it is true that contemporary researchers find that youths in today's world exhibit high levels of multitasking, most experts believe that members of the net generation 
are not any better at multitasking than members of older generations. However, recent studies by Barty, Rome, and Sultan argue that Generation Y is becoming better at media multitasking. Media multitasking is when media consumers view several media platforms at the same time, such as watching TV while browsing the internet. This is evidenced by the fact that they are gaining control over deciding which messages they pay attention to or not. Nonetheless, while there is a great deal of evidence showing the negative effects of multitasking on cognitive tasks, there is no evidence showing that multitasking has a positive or neutral effect on these tasks. Many studies, articles, and worldwide consulting firms stress the fact that multitasking of any kind reduces the productivity and or increases the rate of errors, thus generating unnecessary frustrations. In 2008, it was estimated that $650 billion a year is wasted in U.S. businesses due to multitasking. Yes, yes, yes. I totally, totally agree. You just can't do it. From the Cleveland Clinic, March 10th, 2021, their mental health area. Why multitasking doesn't work. Studies show it makes us less efficient and more prone to errors. Someday you feel like a master multitasker as you drink your morning coffee, catch up on email, and tune into a conference call. But did you know that for most people in most situations, multitasking isn't actually possible? Well, I've long believed this. We're really wired to be monotaskers, meaning that our brains can only focus on one task at a time, says neuropsychologist Cynthia Kubu, PhD. When we think we're multitasking, most often we aren't really doing two things at once, but instead we are doing individual actions in rapid succession or task switching, she says. One study found that just 2.5% of people are able to multitask effectively. For the rest of us, our attempts to do multiple activities at once aren't actually that. Multitasking can hinder your performance. Studies show that when our brain is constantly switching gears to bounce back and forth between tasks, especially when those tasks are complex and require our active attention, we become less efficient and more likely to make a mistake. This might not be as apparent or as impactful when we're doing tasks that are simple and routine, like listening to music while walking or folding laundry while watching TV. But when the stakes are higher and the tasks are more complex, trying to multitask can negatively impact our lives or even be dangerous. So-called multitasking divides our attention. It makes it harder for us to give our full attention to one thing. For example, in studies, attempting to complete additional tasks during a driving simulation led to poorer driving performance, as previously mentioned. Other studies suggest that people who frequently media multitask, like listening to music while checking email or scrolling through social media while watching a movie, 
are more distracted and less able to focus their attention even when they're performing only one task. It can also affect our ability to learn because in order to learn, we need to be able to focus. The more we multitask, the less we actually accomplish because we slowly lose our ability to focus enough to learn, Dr. Kubu says. If we're constantly attempting to multitask, we don't practice tuning out the rest of the world to engage in deeper processing and learning. One study found that college students who tried to multitask took longer to do their homework and had lower average grades. Another pitfall is that trying to do too much at once makes it harder to be mindful and truly present in the moment. And mindfulness comes with a plethora of benefits for our minds and bodies. In fact, many therapies based on mindfulness can even help patients suffering from depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and other conditions. Opting to focus on one task at a time can benefit many aspects of our lives, including the workplace. Take surgeons, for example. People assume that a surgeon's skill is primarily in the precision and steadiness of his or her hands. While there's some truth to that, the true gift of a surgeon is the ability to single-mindedly focus on one person and complete a series of tasks over the course of many hours, Dr. Kubu explains. But surgeons aren't necessarily born with this ability to monotask. Rather, they develop and perfect it through hours of practice. And you can too. You don't need to be a surgeon to benefit from freeing yourself of the pressure to multitask, Dr. Kubu says. Whether it's taking a long road trip, organizing an event, or reading a book, we unequivocally perform best one thing at a time. I encourage you to give it a try, she says. We rely on a constant flow of new information, and because of that, brain overload has become an undeniable issue for many. To find a viable solution to the growing problem, it's important to focus on the root causes. What causes brain overload? Seven tabs are open on your web browser. Two unread emails alert in your inbox. Your phone buzzes on the desk. Where do you go first and why? I am so guilty of this. We rely on a constant flow of new information and because of that, brain overload has become an undeniable issue for many. To find a viable solution to the growing problem, it's important to focus on the root causes of information overload. Brain overload, otherwise known as information overload, can be unpacked in a variety of ways. The foremost researcher on the topic, Daniel J. Levitin, a neuroscientist whose research focuses on the intersection of technology, addiction, and productivity, attributed information overload to the amount of multitasking we do in today's digital age. He wrote that information excess springs from the human indecision to prioritize tasks and activities. 
This uncertainty wreaks havoc with our rapid perceptual categorization system, causes stress, and leads to decision overload. The human brain, in other words, is in a state of constant distraction. These unending distractions come out of a continuously updating information stream, primarily from online communication and social media. The resulting cognitive overload, according to Levitin's work, has serious psychological effects on the brain. Because multitasking has been found to increase the production of the stress hormone cortisol, as well as the fight-or-flight hormone adrenaline, the human brain is simultaneously overloaded and overstimulated. In addition to the neurological consequences of overload, the psychological effects are just as severe. Levitin contextualized this when he stated that multitasking to the point of brain fatigue leads to a depleted state in which, after making lots of significant decisions, we end up making truly bad decisions about something important. The causes of information overload. Brain overload stems from a variety of factors, each of which arises from taking in new information. The mind has a limited capacity for attending to information at any given time and is inclined toward novelty in its environment. The combination of limited attention and seeking originality is problematic in our modern context where rapid exposure to information is ubiquitous through easy access to electronic devices and social media. I think The Social Dilemma, that was on, I think, Netflix, did a marvelous job on that. Despite the brain's problematic disposition, brain overload isn't guaranteed to happen because of an excess of information. According to a Pew Research Center survey titled Information Overload, 79% of respondents found that access to many kinds of information gave them a sense of control over their lives. The survey found that certain circumstances, and even certain institutions, can be what trigger the effects of overload. 56% of respondents reported higher levels of stress caused by governmental agencies, schools, and banks because of the information-gathering processes associated with them. Oh, what do you know about that? This data set makes sense considering Levitin's definitional work. While it seems natural that most Americans would want access to updated and continuous information through their devices, smartphones, personal computers, and tablets, it's also unsurprising that most respondents associated stress with the different kinds of information they receive. What's more, a near majority of any of these respondents reported trouble with keeping up with the information they had access to. As these conditions will only persist as technological innovations continue, we might find solutions to the problem. How to deal with information overload? Though much research has been conducted on the consequences of cognitive overload, there's still work left to be done regarding how people can confront its negative effects. 
Fast Company weighed in on different strategies that people can employ to help mitigate the detrimental effects of brain fatigue. The four recommended tactics are represent tasks in a concrete way. The human brain has a hard enough time generating, prioritizing, and cataloging to-do lists on its own. So, to help alleviate the pressure from information overload, it's helpful to organize tasks in a tangible way. The easiest way is to write them down so tasks can be organized critically, while more important projects appear higher on the list and less important activities can be pushed down. Make decisions after a good night's sleep. The morning can be the best time to make major decisions, leaving time to determine important decision-making tasks at the beginning of the day maximizes your brain's resources and can help you make better decisions. Clean and organize your space. While this isn't necessarily exclusive to the workspace, making an office organized can have immense benefits in alleviating brain overload. When clutter piles up, especially in what's designated as a productive space, the human brain tends to get overwhelmed more quickly. Avoid multitasking. Multitasking depletes the brain's glucose supply, which in turn increases the likelihood of experiencing brain fatigue. As people cycle through different notifications, texts, emails, and other ways of communicating, they'll have a harder time staying focused and maintaining productivity. Separately, people can apply these tactics with a comprehensive information literacy strategy. According to scholarly information discovery in the Networked Academy learning environment, there are important measures to be taken to improve the way people consume information. While the research focused primarily on first-year college students, the lessons learned about information literacy are universally important and relevant. Further, it made the point that as people are flooded with information in a variety of ways, their ability to discern credible material becomes compromised. To give people a more critical edge, the article recommends that people engage with information literacy efforts to help distinguish what content is worthy of time, thought, and effort. While this focus may not immediately appear relevant to brain overload, one of the best ways to mitigate its effects is to become more aware of appropriate information consumption practices. Two ideal ways to overcome the stresses of information overload and to provide the tactics to others can be found in the classroom. An online BS in business management and online BA in psychology are programs effectively designed to maximize productivity and help alleviate pressure in the face of brain fatigue. That's what I say. One train wreck at a time. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out. Thank you.